man. Yeah, so I went from my uh, chills phase to now it's like hot flashes. Okay. So okay. now I'm experiencing menopause, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, that sounds all kinds of exciting. I didn't know that I'm was lying. a thing, but it seems like it's happening, so... Whatever, I'm just gonna write it out. <laughs> and you just like woke up this morning feeling it. Like there was no like last night there was a little bit of something going on or nothing. Just, man. Nothing. Yeah, it came in over overnight. Yeah. Four a three or four AM. It was just like, you know what? I'm gonna try to kill you. And I said, <laughs> Not today, Satan. But uh actually <laughs> there was tomorrow's a quite, another day. Let's see yeah, what happens. There was quite a few times where I was like, Okay, you can have me. I quit. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, it's just the part. Like I just, I think all the time, and I know I've said this before, but I, I remember being a supervisor of people with kids, not having kids, and them always calling out sick. And I'm always like, dude, why are you always calling out? Like, give me a break! Like, drink some orange juice or something, right? And he, this guy, would always call his kids little petri dishes. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, like if I just like walk into the wrong hallway at their school. Like I'm coming down with something, man. It, it oh yeah. Gnarly. So, you know, I thought I had a good immune system, but I was wrong. I will after this, but I mean, you probably did have a good immune system. And like, that's the thing though, is by the time you're getting something from the school, you're getting something that is on like, it's, 15th 20th kind of like mutation to make sure it's more effective than it was before it's on like a roid rage yeah yeah pretty much yeah that's awesome i love it when they bring that stuff home it's cool all right let's hit an intro and we'll jump into it welcome to the podcast blue collar scholars not long ago a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works they recognize the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations that group was known as the Inklings. The Inkle Do podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. All right. Have you uh, had anything good? Um, Nothing super exciting lately, actually. No. Um, yeah. I could try and make like a really long story out of my no, but no, nah, it's really just yeah. not. Yeah. I, I get that. Sometimes that's just how it is, man. Like there's just not always something which at the same time we have to find some way to add adventure in and kind yeah. of kind of spice it up a little bit, but you know sometimes I, you actually, just Actually I did I had um it wasn't some it wasn't my first time having it, but the um what's that like the the brewery pizza is in the name of it. Like the pizza, pizza in the beer, but like the the brewery is like um, Pizza Port Pizza Port, yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. I had their Amber Ale. I had their Amber Ale. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, and it was. It was really good. Really yeah. nice level of sweetness on it um, without it being, like, a dessert drink by any stretch of the imagination, but just some more of the sweet maltiness in it. And I did have that, and that was good. It's just, it's what I've had before, and I think I've talked about it on here before, so I didn't want to go super long on it. Yeah. But I did have that, and that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're good. They're a good price. For the vat, like you get the big cans, they're usually only like 10 bucks. They're like, it's like we go, that pizza port's one of the places we hit when we go to San Diego. Um, yeah. Cause their stuff is pretty, it's pretty good. Their pizza's pretty good too. It's, 
It's weird pizza. It's not like traditional pizza. So like we get like a buffalo pork pizza or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's really, it's weird, but it's like, it's so good. Sounds really good though. Yeah. Yeah. It's So leave it to California to, you know, mix, mix up pizza <laughs> on you. That's all I can think about is from inside out where it's like, leave it to San Francisco to put broccoli on pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. All right. So we're heading into Lent. We are on the, what day is it? It's the 5th today, right? And this will publish yep. on the 6th, 7th. So that's about yep. a week out, seven days out from. Yeah. When, when this publishes, we'll have exactly one week until Ash Wednesday. So the yeah. start of Lent coming up real quick. Um, and yeah, I, I was just kind of thinking and as it kind of showed up in the blog this week and everything on me too, like, uh, I'm trying really hard not to let Lent sneak up on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I had a really good experience with Advent and everything this last year for the first time in a long time. It didn't feel like it just sort of came out of nowhere on me. I felt like I was actually entering into the season and I'd like to keep that in. Uh, that kind of train rolling as we head into the next yeah. purple season here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like with it coming up, I just think it was worth kind of thinking about what is it for, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it is, it's a small section of what's mentioned in the gospel, you yeah. know, like it, it's important as is everything in the Gospels, obviously. Um, But like, really, there's this little thing that's mentioned about Jesus goes out into the desert. Satan tries to tempt him. It doesn't work. Jesus comes back and starts his public ministry. Before we jump into that, can you tell me why we do the ashes? Because my kids keep asking me, and I know I've Googled it, but like, I never have a good answer for them. They're like, why do we rub ashes on our face? I'm like, I don't don't (laughs) actually have a good answer for you. So depending on uh, where you're going, there are like a few different things that can be said as they're putting the ashes on your forehead. But the one that kind of, uh, to me, really hits home why the ashes are happening is this idea of remember, oh man, that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Mm -hmm. Like it is that reminder that like God formed us out of the dirt and that at some point our life in this world is going to come to an end. And so to, you know, really, it is what Lent is. It is the point of that time in the desert and everything is that idea of not ultimately rejecting this life and the gifts that are in this life, but remembering what goes beyond it. You know, like, remember, oh man, you are dust and to dust you will return. So it's like a little memento mori type of thing. A little bit, yeah. It's a... Actually, not a little bit. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is that. It's a memento mori. It's a, you know, a remembrance. And also this idea uh, for like when you're talking to your girls and not necessarily wanting to like get them started on the conversation that's come up in the past about, but I don't want to die. No, like, man, no that yeah. It takes a long time to come down. Not want yeah. you to die either. I get that. But there is also, so like the ashes having been blessed, it is kind of this like ongoing cyclical thing where the palms from Palm Sunday 
mm-hmm. being burned and made into the ashes. And so, like, even as the palms are gone, they're not really. They still continue to be with us. They're blessed. We're marked mm. with them. Um, there was the old in the Old Testament and really in the New Testament as well. You know, there were certain signs of mourning that people would put on, you know, like the, the ripped outer garment, mm-hmm. the smearing of dirt and ash on their face as like a sign. It was just a way of announcing that you were in mourning for someone. And to a certain extent, because Lent is a season that concludes with the death of Christ, and then the next season, Easter, is his rising. But it is still, we're entering into a time of remembering that Jesus died for us. And so we're participating in that mourning, putting some mark on us to let other people know that, yes, we're in mourning over him as well. Hmm. I like that. I like the the uh, palm branches, even though they're gone, they're still with us kind of a thing. That's kind of a, like, yes, mm-hmm. it's a... This life, but then it keeps going type of a thing. So that's right. a that's a good one for me to use. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. So do you know what you're planning on doing anything during Lent? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's part that's of the preparation, things, right? I have, a, I have a tendency to uh, want to go like really big on things. Overdo it, yeah. And make it like super drastic. And, uh, like, make my life miserable. Oh, preaching and to the choir. I know it. I know how by, it goes. By tangent of that, I end up making the people who have to put up with me while my life is miserable. I, I bring all kinds of penances onto them as well. And I, <laughs> I want to avoid that. So, like, there were a few things that I was thinking about. I was thinking about going, you know, uh, the Friday diet all Lent long. You know, like, uh, seafood is acceptable but no other meat. Um, Or I was thinking about going no caffeine. Like, uh, but I am a teacher Mm -hmm. and it is important that for the, for the well-being of my students and for their mental health, that they are able to have me when I am, you know, on my game. Yeah. When I am not cranky and hating the world. And so I'm definitely not going to do the, the no caffeine thing, but I think I am going to, uh, limit myself to doing like make a, a half pot of, so I don't have like a, a full 12 cup, uh, coffee machine here, you know, living on my own. I got myself one of those like five cuppers, mm-hmm. but so limiting myself to like a, a half pot on that. So like basically one cup of coffee in the morning, you yeah. know, my my survival kit and go with that um and you know what's one thing you could add to that is 90 minutes after you wake mm. so there's a thing there's so there's a lot of like brain chemistry on caffeine yeah and so like that's one of the things that i when i was learning to like because when you have that caffeine before that's where like that dependency comes in because it starts to screw with your brain chemistry and so mm. you can almost like reorder the use of caffeine by drinking it at the appropriate time versus like right, you know, like right when you get up or with breakfast or when you get going and things like that. Yeah. That was uh, one of the teachers who I work with was talking about this medically researched thing called a nappuccino. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, that is so cool. And it makes a lot of sense, but basically um, feel free to look it up. The nappuccino, uh, 
those of you who are listening, but basically it's this idea of if you slam a cup of coffee and then take like a 30 minute nap, basically the caffeine is kicking in at the same time as your body is like pumping the the hormones into you to get you up and alert as mm-hmm. you're waking up. Uh, and so you get kind of this like supercharged um, effects of the coffee. And he was talking about he uses that. He is a late night worker as opposed to an early morning worker mm-hmm. like me. And so he was talking about using that as like an afternoon like power nap on the couch and then get yep. up and go plow through what he needs to plow through. Yeah, I knew people at the office that would do that. They would go take a big drink of coffee, like glug some coffee, and then they would go sleep in their car for on their lunch break mm. and then come back into work. And they're like, dude, I'm telling you, it's it's real. And I was like, ah. I can't nap no matter what. So like, <laughs> I'm working. glad it works for you. I really yeah. am. Um, but I want to do that. But I also, uh, one of the things that I've been doing for a few years now is trying to incorporate everything into like all three of those Lenten practices of the fast, mm-hmm. the prayer and the almsgiving. Um, and so actually that idea of putting a delay in, an hour and a half would be tough just because of how early I would have to get up to like make that happen before I was leaving the house. Um, or I would have to just like have the self-control and the self-restraint to have my coffee with me and not drink it until I got to school. Um, but by like spreading out the time in between my waking up and having coffee, I could totally then incorporate in. I want to get back into the liturgy of the hours, mm. uh, doing the office of readings and morning prayer as part of my morning routine, um, because it's just really clear to me that like I've been doing all right with having like I am making time for prayer in the morning. I am starting things off that way, which that's a huge step from where I've been uh, yeah. a few years back, but. It's still one of those things where um, it feels I, – I feel like uh, it's too easy for me to kind of do it half-heartedly because there isn't – because it's just me defining the structure of how I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so using the Liturgy of the Hours, this like centuries-old, millennia-old prayer of the church to kind of form my basis for it. And like develop my habit of being, of taking my time, of having a a routine to it feels like that'd be a, a good starting point for me or a good restarting point, I guess, really. Sure. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I like, cause one of the things that, cause I kind of stopped doing Lent a long time ago cause I always thought it got to be meaningless to me, you know, cause it's like, oh, I'm going to give up soda. I'd be like that doesn't really matter to me you know and so like one of the things that i noticed that made made it meaningful to me is that i added things instead of subtracted things right so taking away soda didn't like unless you have a disordered obsession with dr pepper which i did in periods of my life (laughs) um it didn't that's not necessarily bad in itself but like i i I added things. And so like, I, I was like, oh, okay, during Lent, like, like let's add a prayer or let's add a alms giving type of a thing. And so like, yep. rather than what pop culture kind of tells us we should do by subtracting things and making yourself suffer, 
you know, like you can give by adding instead of by subtracting, if that makes sense, you know, like, no, absolutely. And, and I would say like, it is still even that idea of adding those things, there is still an element of the fast that's there, you know, like that fast prayer, almsgiving, that trifecta, like, because so like that idea of adding some prayer time, that's also you giving up some of your free time, mm. like some of your, your downtime that you were using for other things. And like you said, and like we talked about uh, when we were talking about the, the Fat Tuesday uh, kind of stuff, like that idea of it's really not a helpful or particularly um, useful spiritual practice to treat giving up something that is like sinful and bad, like you were saying that disordered love of Dr. Pepper Mm -hmm. and things like that, giving that up as a fast, as something that you're intending to come back to later, isn't super helpful. Yeah. But instead, when it's like, you know what? No, there is, these are good things that I could be doing with my time. Even, you know, that idea of getting an extra 10 to 15 minutes of sleep in the morning, that is a good thing. There Mm -hmm. is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And yet, if if I choose to give up that 10 to 15 minutes to enter into prayer, then I'm giving that up. I am fasting from my own freedom, from my own sleep, from, uh, or, you know, even just my downtime. You know, that idea mm. of sitting up and like, because I do, I like a really slow, leisurely start to my day. Yeah. And so having that like time where i just i'm awake my alarm's gone off i've turned the alarm off and i'm laying in bed just very comfortable under the covers but awake there's nothing wrong with that time but if i'm giving that up in order to get up and pray then that's what i'm offering Mm -hmm. and it's important that like we realize that a fast is an offering like it's not just something i'm giving up it's something Mm -hmm. i'm giving to god and so it should be something good Like, I don't want to give God my crap. Like, I don't want to give God. I mean, eh, I do, actually. I want to give God all of my disordered stuff. But, like, I'm giving him that saying, God, I can't fix me, but I know you can. Mm -hmm. Here's what I've got to work with at this point. But in terms of, like, offering something to God, uh, I want it to be something good. I want to say, God, I have something good that I know you will make something great. Hmm. And so I'm going to give it to you and see what you do with it. I like the idea that in order to give something, there's ultimately some sort of sacrifice that's paired with it, whether it's time or money or, or whatever, whatever it is, it's hard to do anything that doesn't have like an equal and opposite impact, you know, type of a thing. Like if you do something good, it's going to take away, like if, if you add prayer, it's going to take away from your time or, you know, they, they, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, in, in economics, they talk about the idea of opportunity cost. Like mm-hmm. if, if I choose to do this, here are all the things that I can't do because I've got this going on instead. Yeah. And it is kind of a, a helpful concept for me in terms of, keeping in mind, you know, and again, kind of going back to that, oh man, you are dust and to dust you shall return. My time on this earth is limited. Mm -hmm. And so how do I, 
how do I balance the idea of enjoying the good things that God has given me and like taking the time to really enjoy those things while still making the best use of those things and these times that God has given me. Like it has to be enjoyed, but it needs to not just be me enjoying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I was having this weird thought the other day and I'm not going to go into it completely, but like I was thinking about like, uh, like I said, I'm not going to go into it completely because my thought was very ram jumbled up there, but like using a thing just for pleasure is like the most minimum use of a thing. If that makes sense. Right. It does. And so it's kind of like a time where like, yes, I love these things and I enjoy these things, but like, it's very real. The expression, like you don't know what you have until it's gone type of a thing too, you know? So like we take these things for pleasure, but then like sometimes when you offer that up and then you're like, Oh, it kind of resets that this is more than just what I get out of it. This is something that me and other people can benefit from it or the, you know, does that make sense? Like I'm struggling yeah. with my with my No, no, no. So it does because there's that idea of there's the pleasure in the thing itself. And like that's there because God created the thing. And so the thing is good. Mm-hmm. And there is pleasure to be found in the thing. However, in so many cases, and I'm going to stop just short of saying universally it's true. Mm-hmm. I feel like it probably is pretty close though. Um, but like most things that we enjoy, that we find pleasure in, we find more pleasure when we're sharing it with others. Mm-hmm. You know, we find, because it is that, it is that experience of community. It is that experience of interaction, of um, seeing, seeing somebody else enjoy it too, kind of validates our, my enjoyment of it. Like, yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of like a, I have a I have a tendency sometimes to be like really hesitant to go out and share like what music am I listening to? Mm. You know, because there's a part of me that is weirdly concerned with, but if I like the music and someone else tells me it's bad, am I going to stop liking the music too? <laughs> and so like there's there is that downside to the shared experience that like yeah. uh if you're around people who aren't enjoying it, that can possibly, it does sometimes dampen my enjoyment of it, but nowhere near as much as like that excitement of when you're talking about something you like and you mentioned it to someone, you're like, I, I don't even know if you, if you're aware of this, but I was listening to this thing or I was watching this thing you're like, Oh my gosh, I yeah. love that. It's just one of those like beautiful small moments. Yep. It reamps your enjoyment of that thing. Like, Double time. I am now prepared to geek out on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's also something to take into consideration while you're doing these things as well is that um, when you go into these efforts and you're doing anything, like it's, it's, like you shouldn't be walking around and be like, hey, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. Hey, everybody, Mm -hmm. I'm fasting, you know. But at the same time, like you'll see in your community if you have the right community or not, too. I think, you know, like you were just saying that, like, if people are going to poo poo on something that you're doing or if they're going to build you up and encourage you, 
you know, like that's something that I've noticed too. So like, if you're like, Hey, I'm going to do, um, you know, the Friday diet all week long, are they going to be people that, you know, take you to long John Silver's or are they going to be people that are like, dude, you're dumb, you know, like, like what <laughs> and, kind of people do you down their steak lunch in front of you and ask it, you if you want a bite? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> what, what kind of people do you have in your group? Because like you said, the enjoyment of a thing is better shared with the community. And I feel like when you're doing something difficult, because again, like I'm where me and Kristen are doing a diet, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't anything to do with fasting, but like it's has an impact on people around you. And they, there are some people who are like, yeah, that's awesome. And then there's some people who are like, in, not happy that you're doing it. And it's really strange, you know, or they feel guilty or they feel bad, you know, like there's all kinds of, like when you do something and it impacts your community around you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I would just say that, I guess, Jerry, I guess what I'm trying to get to is like, while you're doing these fasts, like it's also a time that kind of reveals the people in your group and, you know, like, Hey, are these the right people or maybe not? Oh, absolutely. That can definitely be part of it. And I think another thing too, though, is to keep in mind, like our, our, responsibility to to consider the group as well you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like so for example again going back to the idea of if i were to completely cut caffeine out for lent and it's like okay and i could do that i've done it before and it's it wasn't as brutal as i thought it would be right but at the same time like i know that it affects my patience Mm -hmm. not so much for the first couple weeks of lent but like, you know, as things start winding down, uh, yeah. right around that middle point, actually, like towards yeah. the end when your body is kind of used to and is adjusted, it's not that bad again. But there comes a point for me in the middle there where it's like, okay, you know what? I can tell I'm off my game and I now need to be putting all of my energy into making sure that the fact that I am unhappy doesn't mean the people around me are as well, mm-hmm. you know, especially when I'm trusted with uh, an authority position yeah. as like a teacher or when I am entrusted with like a leadership role with some of the other teachers and things like that. Like I need to make sure that my chosen discipline, because again, that's the other thing is that these fasts, prayer and almsgiving, these are disciplines. They're not commands from God. Mm. Like the whole point of taking them on for me is that I will uh, take on something additional, this additional discipline to help me grow in holiness, to help bring me closer to God and to help me be able to lead other people closer to God. So if the thing that I am doing is actually becoming an obstacle between me and God and between me and other people, then actually the sin is not giving up this thing that I'm giving up or the the sin is not like uh, washing my hands of this discipline and of this commitment. Yeah. The sin is like forcing through it even as I see damage being done by it. Yeah. I like that. That's actually a really interesting insight. Like – I, like how many people or like, like you said, like um, caffeine or like how many people do that? They're, they're going to like smoking. They're like, Hey, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this and be like, 
Like, should you? Yes. Like, uh, if you're going to use this as motivation, sure. But, like, the reality is, is that quitting something like smoking isn't something like a Lenten fast. You know, like, it's a lot of... And if you're going to use Lent as your your Starting launching point. point, yeah. You know, like, maybe you should do a lot of preparation going into that, you know, type of a thing. You know, like, do you, are you going to have gum or lozenge? Like, whatever you're going to do, because... Yeah, ultimately you can't – if you are damaging your community because you're cranky and fussy and, you know, hurting everybody's feelings around you, like that's missing the point. Like you should quit smoking, you know, but are are you doing it the right way? Like are you doing it – and maybe that's really what I'm getting towards is like the preparation because that's really mm-hmm. what I wanted mm-hmm. to say. So like if you're going to do something hard, like don't just be like – Hey, it's Ash Wednesday. I'm going to quit smoking. You know, like, like, hey, I'm going to use Lent. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to think about how I'm going to do it. I'm going to, when I am going to have cravings, what am I going to do? And you kind of have a plan for your fast and not just um, react and and lash out, you know? Well, and also there there can be sometimes this like temptation towards sort of a a spiritual fatalism, like, no, you know what? Because I'm doing this for Lent, God is going to get me through this. Mm. Like, And so because it's Lent, now it's going to be fine and I don't need to worry about it and it's not going to be a struggle. I mean, we've talked about this plenty of times before. At no point does Jesus say that it's going to be easy. Yeah. Or that he's going to make it easy for you. If you just want it bad enough, Jesus will make it easy. No, that's not what it says. Nope. It says He says it'll be worth it. He says it will be worth it. But at the same time, like we do, we have an obligation to, again, it it kind of keeps coming back for me to this idea that these are disciplines that we are taking on. We're invited into them by God. We're not commanded to do them. And so like we need to, I need to be very careful about my approach to it because Mm. I am taking on this discipline not for me exclusively. Like I am taking on the discipline for my vocation, for what God is calling me to do. And ultimately that being to grow closer to him. And so I also need to have the humility to be like, oh, you know what? Actually, the 15 minutes that I'm getting up early and like starting my day is actually leading to significant stress. Okay. I need to figure out why that is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Is this something where I need to make that 15 minutes of prayer time at a different time of the day or what do I need to do? But I can't just, if I have chosen the thing, I can't hold God responsible for making it happen. Right. God promised me that if I'm doing what he wants me to do, I will get where he wants me to be. He has not promised that if I try really, really hard to convince him that what I want to do is what he should want me to do, mm-hmm. then he's going to make that happen. Right. Right. I like, and uh, if we're heading into a life lesson, I like you brought the word up a couple of times that the, that it's a discipline. And I, I don't know that I ever thought about Lent that way. Um, and that a discipline means that it's a skill that you're learning it's something that you're practicing to get better at, you know, like I, 
that's interesting to me. Um, and so I, again, I'm thinking about doing these like diets that I've, I've learned so much during these diets because like how I had food tied to so many of my emotions and the discipline, it took a lot of skill, actually a lot of learning how to eat, how to manage emotions, how to, like, there's a lot of skills in the, in maintaining the discipline and you learn so much about yourself in this food area that I was in. It's the same thing is kind of in the fast, you know, like by doing these things and participating in them, you're going to learn so much about yourself and your relationship with God. And yeah, discipline is the right word. Like it's a skill set that you're maintaining, that you're learning, but also like committed to in the mm-hmm. long term, like not, not like willy nilly, but like it's got a real commitment to it. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I, and I think that's a really good way to think about it in terms of like anything that is part of our life that we are kind of giving up as a fast. Yeah, it's part of how we deal with and cope with things in our lives. And if we've been doing it for ever for huge chunks of our lives, then yeah, there's going to be some, uh, there's going to need to be some new foundation building, some new mm-hmm. strategies that we're coming up with uh, if we're taking away some of these things that we're that we were leaning on. I think that's really cool. For me, I think for me what it kind of keeps coming back to is this idea that um the suffering of lent is supposed to be like the suffering that we experience is something that like we unite to Christ's suffering ultimately on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so there's this redemptive element to it. But what I need to be very careful of is that I can offer up my sufferings. I can offer up my sacrifices to be redemptive. I can make that choice for me. I can't make it for anyone else. And so again, like I've mentioned it a couple of times tonight, this idea of trying to be very careful, making sure that I am not, I'm not assigning other people a penance. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, a, there are a number of people who quite frankly don't have any choice but to spend significant portions of their day with me. Mm-hmm. They, they have no choice. I cannot choose for them that they are going to have to suffer through <laughs> my cranky, uh, scowling face, but it'll be good for them. No, 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 no. They, as they're going through that, they have the option to do that possibly, but I can't make that their thing. So as I am solidifying and crystallizing exactly what I want to do with Lent. Cause you know, I do still have a little bit more than a week to, to get it locked down. But as I'm continuing to crystallize that, one of the things I really need to focus on is making sure that I am only signing myself up. Mm-hmm. Like there are going to be, no matter what I do, regardless of whether it was Lent or anything else, it's going to affect the people around me. And so that's where I really love what you were talking about earlier about making sure that you've got the people around you uh, who will support you when things are difficult. But like, that's not the same as saying like, I I don't want to become anyone's anchor. Hold them down. Yeah. So making sure that I am keeping a close eye on how the things I commit to, how they're affecting me how those effects are rippling out and hitting others and being prepared to, to reevaluate. Like I don't, I don't have to stay with the same thing through Easter. Yeah. 
uh, if it's again, if it's counterproductive, if it's not being bringing me and the people around sure. me closer to God, I need to make the change. Yeah, I've never thought about that either. Like I've always thought it's like something you gotta stick out all the way to the end, you know. Oh, this is a very new revelation for me. Yeah. This idea that oh, it's not actually just a test of how tightly I can hold on yeah. through those forty days. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, everybody, we got about a week to uh, prepare for Lent. Hopefully, we're you know going into it with uh, intentionality, and uh, you know we'll come out the other side all the better for it on the celebrating Easter. So. Um, you got anything else on your brain there, man? No, not a whole heck of a lot, man. Uh, right on. With that, we will say, adieu.